0: that feeling when you've been asked to talk about God's wisdom, and you're, you're worried all week about looking like a fool. So let's start as we mean to go on. Uh, who's the smartest person in the Bible? Abraham, because he knew a lot. <laughs> who's the fastest person in the Bible? Adam, he was first in the human race. <laughs> How long did Cain hate his brother for? As long as he was able. <laughs> he keeps telling me it's his favourite verse. could nowhere not trust on the ark? The cheetahs. What did Adam say the day before Christmas? Not that he could, but if he could. It's Christmas Eve. There we go. Looking like a fool now. That's good. That's where we need to be. If you don't hear anything else, that's where we need to be. Looking like a fool. So this is the verse. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. His purpose was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. This is like Paul's dream. This is what he kind of, he, he discerns spiritually was this, this is what God wanted to do. And we've already done that this morning. We've prayed and we've worshipped. And we believe that that impacts heaven. Already we have touched heaven. Already we've made an impact in heaven, proclaiming out God's truth. He's so wise. His word is, is full of wisdom and truth. And we've already proclaimed that this morning. And if our praise moves heaven, then of course our faith can move mountains. If our praise moves heaven, then our faith can move mountains. God wants to make his wisdom evident through us, through me, through all of us, through you through the church globally, he wants to make his wisdom displayed to heaven. We probably have a lot of opinions on whether that's happening or not. But is, is it our place to have an opinion on that? Anyway, I didn't write that down. What wisdom do I possibly have that the angels haven't already seen or heard in heaven? From the mouth of God himself. What wisdom do I have to show? And yet in 1 Peter, Peter it's revealed to us that there are things that the angels don't know about, that the angels didn't know about God's rescue plan to send Jesus and what God was doing there. Can you imagine the confusion in heaven? Where's Jesus gone? Or can you imagine the horror on the angels' faces when they suddenly realized what God was doing when Jesus was on the cross? Can you imagine their surprise and joy at the resurrection? If they had no idea of the mystery of God, that is the gospel, that Jesus was going to die not only for uh, Jewish people, but also for uh, Gentiles to bring them into Christ's body. Can you imagine their surprise and shock? Everything that was going on in heaven as this was all happening. That's the wisdom that God's displaying to heaven through us. The outworking of his salvation in our lives that they've never seen before in our lives. And then on the third day, an angel's just casually sat on the rock going, Jesus isn't here. I just found that funny, the fact that up in heaven, they're like, what is going on? And then there's an angel on the rock going, no, he's not here. Like they knew it all along. <laughs> I don't know. That, that gives me some artistic license. though. <laughs> But they didn't know what was going to happen next either, that people like you and me, Gentiles, that is people who were outcasts, people who were unspiritual in their thinking. He goes into it a lot. Um, dead in our trespasses and our sins. Followers of the prince of the power and air. This is all in Ephesians 2. Living out the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body. And that, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he lived, loved us, even when we are dead in our sins, by grace we've been saved. The angels had no idea that that's what God was going to do. Do you know that you blow heaven's mind through what Jesus has done for him, for you? They weren't expecting that. Heaven is amazed by you. But still, what wisdom could we possibly have made evident to us that the, you know, that the angels didn't see about, didn't know about? How is us working out our salvation? Displaying wisdom to heaven. Sometimes we can get a a kind of Greek idea of wisdom and think about it's everything, it's kind of our intellectual knowledge and, and the things that we can say. And and it's true that in the Bible, there is that form of wisdom in Proverbs and things, you know, the sayings of Solomon, those words of wisdom that are given. But we don't want to get this kind of like fortune cookie idea of wisdom, that it's kind of about having clever things to say, uh, kind of pithy quotes that we can make about things. Um, You know, it's easy to say God is working for the good of those who believe in him it's easy to say that but to, to really know it and to express it as wisdom when someone's going through a lot of pain that that's another another side of things it's not just about kind of clever things we can say but it is it's about it's about more than that it's not about things we can say and how we can advise others and kind of like opinions that we can have and judgments that we can make because we have this wisdom it's more than that. Paul, Paul warns the Corinthians, and I find the, the connection between Corinthians and Ephesians really interesting because the letter to Ephesians is to um, a church that's quite spiritually mature, and he's just kind of encouraging them. And that's why, you know, I really love the book of Ephesians. Um, and then the Corinthians is more to a church that is like spiritually very active and kind of all over the place, but not necessarily they don't know what to do with that yet. You know, And so he advises them on how to speak in tongues and things like that because they're, they're, they're very spiritually active, but, but they're, not, they're not kind of sure what to do with it. And, he's kind of, and I like the connection kind of between Corinthians and Ephesians. That's been coming out a lot as I've been thinking about this. And he warns Corinthians, uh, the Corinthians to not think of themselves as wise. He even says God chooses the foolish to shame the wise. Is that a bit offensive? It's me too, Tony. Because I read it and I read it when I was younger and and it was a weird experience that I I saw a picture of me, one of my school photos when I was a child and this verse kind of came into my head and I was like, oh God, God chooses the foolish to shame the wise and I was looking at a picture of myself from school as a little boy. But that, that stayed with me all this time. God chooses the foolish to shame the wise, that's me. Thanks, Tony. That's me. That's you? Don't know if I can say that. Yeah, and I think that's the thing you know, we think we're being wise and we think we're trying to help people by giving them kind of like helpful, wise things to say, but it's not coming from a place of kind of like, like real, like lived out wisdom. It's difficult, isn't it? Now, the Pharisees were arguably really wise people in this way because they knew the word and they had all these things to say about how people should live their lives. But Jesus challenges them and says, you know, you search the scriptures because you think in them you find eternal life, but these scriptures witness to me and you're not coming to me. And yet we have in Proverbs, you know, wisdom is in a really elevated place. Like, you must find wisdom. You must get wisdom. See, in, in the Old Testament, wisdom was kind of this thing that guarded your life, and it helped you follow God's commandments. You know, if you were wise, then you followed God's commandments. You, you knew about them. You kept wisdom. You treasured wisdom, and it was going to, like, save your life if you were wise. But did ever, anyone actually achieve that? In the Old Testament, did anyone actually achieve getting so wise that they could fulfill all God's commandments and, and you know, att- attain that eternal life? I'm not trying to talk down on wisdom, but it's in the new covenant that we find that real wisdom, the wisdom of God in Jesus Christ. You know, what, what, what wisdom did, did Jesus say he wanted? Um, in Matthew seven, uh, find it. You know, we know what Jesus said about what the what the wise builder does, and why he does it. He builds his life on the rock, so that when the rains come and the storms come, his house still stands. That's basing our life on Jesus. But it doesn't seem very wise necessarily to build our house on the rock compared to the lovely beach that we could have. Who would love to have a house on a beach in Cornwall? It's a dream, isn't it? It doesn't seem very wise to build your house up on like the high up rocks, maybe. Until it's raining. Until it's stormy. People go, why are you living your life like that? Why are you... You know why are you you limiting yourself? Why are you living like that? Why could you not have freedom and do whatever you want? Living with integrity, like why? Why would you do that? It doesn't seem like wisdom until it's raining, until it's stormy, and you're the one still standing. Jesus Himself is our wisdom, and the wisdom that is made evident through us, because our lives look like Him. Because we look like him. Because we walk like him. Because his salvation is being made evident through our lives, through the way it impacts us. The wisdom that's impacting heaven isn't all the wise things that we have to say and have learned, but that comes. But first it's through through Jesus and our lives being a witness to him. Paul said this to, uh, to the Corinthians, you know, I came not with uh, wisdom, for I decided to know nothing except Jesus Christ and his crucifixion. You know, Paul said, I came to you. I wasn't trying to talk fancy. I wasn't trying to say fancy, eloquent things and all these wise sayings to you. I just wanted to know Jesus and him crucified so that I couldn't even boast in what I was saying to you. It was all down to Jesus. God warned Adam and Eve, don't eat from that tree because that tree will give you the knowledge of good and evil. And it's hard now to think, well, what's the problem with knowing about good and evil? Surely we want to know about good and evil so that we can live right. But I heard someone recently say, I don't want that. I just want to know Jesus. I don't even want to know good and evil. I don't even want to know what's right and wrong. I don't even want to be able to give that judgment on someone else. I just want Jesus. Our lives should witness to Jesus and therefore it's witnessing to God's wisdom in and through our lives, even in the storms, in the winds, in the rains. And God's wisdom has been evident all the way through the Bible, preparing the way for Jesus. God's wisdom was evident in creation. He was wise in the way that he made creation. He was wise in the garden. God's wisdom was in the flood. God's wisdom was in the wilderness for 40 years, working for our good. There was wisdom in Peter stepping out onto the waves. There was wisdom in his sinking and the hand that reached out to save. There was wisdom in Jesus' waiting and his losing of a friend. There was wisdom in his weeping and the resurrection in the end. There was wisdom in Mary sitting at the Savior's feet, in letting go and resting. Your faith, Lord, I seek. There is wisdom in following the shepherd of our souls, in trusting his perfect leadership of my kind and gracious Lord. There is wisdom in living without counting out the cost. There is wisdom in the Son of God dying on a cross. There is wisdom in this gathering. There is wisdom here this morning. There is wisdom in his word and there's wisdom in the outpouring. If God can be wise in sending the Israelites out to the wilderness, then he's still being wise in the painful things in our lives. When we feel like we're in the wilderness, God's still being wise with us if God can be wise in sacrificing his own son in the way that he did, then God can be wise in our pain too. The wisdom of God is that he saved us, that he's with us, that he never forsakes us, that he loves us. He's wise in all his ways. And because his wisdom is so good and so perfect, his wisdom never fails. God's wisdom never fails. That's why we can build our houses on the rock, because his wisdom never fails. When I was 18, God said to me, I've saved you more than you can ever know. I've saved you more than you can ever know. When I was born, I was two months premature, and one of my kidneys was in the wrong place. And they had to operate on me. And my mum was really ill at the time as well, um, really poorly. Thing is, if I wasn't two months premature, which isn't a good place to be, they would never have seen that my kidney was in the wrong place and bulging out. If I was born at my due date, they would never have seen that. And perhaps I would never have survived. And at the time, I'm sure for my parents, that didn't look like God's wisdom. That, that didn't look like God's wisdom. That would probably have been a horrible time for my dad as well, with my mum being really poorly, me being really poorly. He can't see either of us because we're both being operated on. 18 years later, I've saved you more than you can ever know. God is wise in all his ways. He's wise in his leadership. And Paul even says here in Ephesians, I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Paul knew that there was wisdom in his imprisonment and that that was working out for the good of the Ephesians. Our lives are a witness to Jesus' wisdom in our lives and it's nothing to do with us. Like we've been singing this morning, he's the Lord and we need to get out of the way because he chose us, not because we're wise, not because we're strong, Not because we're powerful. He chose the foolish to shame the wise. He chose the weak to shame the strong. And it seems really backwards because we feel like we need to have our lives all together. (laughs) My life isn't all (laughs) together. Even now, I'm having to trust God's wisdom as He's saying to me, James, you're too angry. You're too impatient. You're too stressed with your family. Stop it. And I'm having to go, yeah, that's really wise, God. It's painful, but it's wise. And I need to work on it. That's my confession. So let's stop trying to be all the things that God is. We don't need to be powerful. We don't need to be strong. We don't need to be wise. He is but we can still participate in God's plan. That's how he wants it. He wants us to be weak. So that everybody can participate in his plan and find a purpose in his body in the church. He's the gardener. We're the garden, you're the gardener. You're the potter, we're the clay, but Lord, in your body, I find my place. Among your people, help me say, in every breath and song we sing, in every prayer and word we say, there's wisdom in a life laid down, saying, Lord, come have your way. So let us, according to the riches of God's glory, may he grant us to be strengthened with power through his spirit in our inner being. So that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And that us being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. It surpasses our knowledge that we may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. If we want God to do immeasurably more than we can think, we need to stop thinking that we know what he should do if we want God to do immeasurably more than we can think, let's stop thinking that we know what he should do. In the wisdom of putting our lives on Jesus, we find our future in that. Our future is safeguarded in his hands. The wisest decision that we've ever made, that you've ever made. And if there is anyone here who hasn't, yet made the wisest decision in their life to build their house upon the rock that is Jesus. And I'm sure there's space for that this morning. (laughs) God is wise in leading his church. He's wise in leading us here and globally. He's wise in leading us in our lives. He's wise in all his ways. and his wisdom and his love. He knew what he was doing when he decided to love you before you were even made, before the world began. This isn't, this isn't, it's not the easiest word to share, but this isn't about us beating ourselves up. It's about us trusting in his wisdom. Jesus loves you and he's never going to let you down. And he's never going to let you go. And he's never going to forsake you. He's wise in all his ways. And Jesus discerned in the Garden of Gethsemane what God's wisdom was. And he, you know, he said, if, there, if, you know, if you can take this cup from me, then do. But he trusted in the wisdom of his father. That in laying down his life, he would be able to take it back up. And he did it because he loves us so much. Should we start praying? Should we stand up? And if you want to start praying whilst I am, that's fine. More voices, the merrier. God, we trust you. You are so good to us. You are so good in all your ways. You are the wise shepherd. You are the good shepherd leading us leading us through paths of righteousness, leading us beside quiet, still waters. You are so good and so lovely in all your ways, and we submit to you. We submit to your lordship. We say you are Lord. You have the way in our lives. We don't need to have it all together. We don't need to know what we're doing. We're the garden. You're the gardener. You're the potter, we're the clay. There is wisdom in a life laid down saying, Lord, come have your way. Lord, come have your way with us. Come have your way with us. We trust in your wisdom. We build our house on the rock. You are the only wise God. Immortal, invisible, only wise God.